Hi, I'm Lazarus Gromos. And I'm Nathan Gould, and this is the Daily Doha, episode three for football played on Tuesday, the 22nd of November. Lazarus, we said yesterday that we were hopeful of an AFC upset. We got one, but not the one we're hoping for. And Nathan, pertinent point. This episode of the Daily Doha is brought to you by the Green Falcon. Congratulations to Saudi Arabia. Well done. Yes, the major talking point of the day. What a, what an upset. What a result for Saudi Arabian football, for Asian football. But let's dive straight into the Socceroos. We must talk about them first, surely. Do we have to? We do. We I, do. I want to keep talking about Saudi Arabia and Argentina. But no, 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 no. Let's dive straight into the Socceroos. We've just, the, the match has just finished a few moments ago. We've just seen what's, uh, what's transpired. What'd you make of it? It was 20 minutes of good football. It was very exciting. Australia scoring first. You think maybe we can do something here. Maybe we can follow in the footsteps of our Asian um, um, colleagues. Colleagues. Colleagues, yes. Yeah. A few hours earlier, but not to be, not to be. And for the remaining, remaining 70 minutes almost, it was a case of backs against the wall and try to not get embarrassed. And I don't know if a 4-1 defeat counts automatically as embarrassed, but some of the defending on show was not amazing, but at the end of the day, it's 4-1. It's never great. You are struggling for redeeming factors. It could have been worse, you're right. It could have been worse. I was, that's what I was just about to say. It could have been worse. Um, I feel for Atkinson, he didn't have his best game today at all. He was, he was off it. We saw it. We even exchanged messages at halftime saying that there should be a change, perhaps Deng. Um, but yeah, it it just wasn't good. It just wasn't good. I feel for him. Look, the longer the longer it was at two one, the better off we would have been. But we had said in previous episodes that it could have been anything, right? You didn't know what type of France would show up. Well, the world champions have shown up today. We've just played them into form and unity. We absolutely haven't. We were, we were saying throughout the entirety of the preview series that France have had a lot of problems coming into this camp, and they, it looks like they've picked up another issue from this game with Lucas Hernandez picking up what seemingly is a serious knee injury, and it looked like another issue for France and one that we might be able to capitalise on. We weren't able to do it, and you were quite right to point out Nathaniel Atkinson having a an off game. That's putting it kindly, I suppose. And Riley McGree, you can put in that camp as well, didn't have his best performance and I think those are two players that you would look to change for the rest of the group. But focusing just on this game this morning, it was one that is not going to be looked fondly on in years to come. We're not going to look back on this game. Yes, it's nice to see Australia score a goal from open play. I think that automatically makes this better than 2018, just straight off the bat. Scoring a goal from open play is very nice, particularly being the opener. You think, oh, maybe we can actually do something here, but... At the end of the day, still a heavy defeat and one that we have to recover from for the rest of the group. I think that, yes, we do have to try and recover from that. When I look at the way the Saudis played against Argentina and their hunger and their aggression, their constant press, where was that? Like, one thing I will say about the 2018 side under Van Marwijk is that they ran and they were really in, in opposition's faces. This team was just content to sit back and let France play through them. And around them, like we identified that uh, uh, right hand side of Australia's uh, formation, uh, the defence there was was an issue, and Mbappe was getting in way too easy. But the first 10, 15 minutes, we were getting in behind. We were playing football. We scored the goal, and then we're gonna, the plan was to sit back for eighty minutes, and that's what it seems like. It seems like the classic case of scoring too early in a game. Yes, 
there's never a bad time to score, but if you are going to rank them, scoring in the first 15 minutes as we did against such a, such an imp- imposing team on paper, yes, you don't want to score too early because then you are inclined to sit back and try and hold on to what you've got. That seems as though that's what we tried to do. You're not going to be able to hang on for 1-0 for 80 minutes against a team of this quality. And You mentioned those positive things of the Saudi Arabian team. One other one to add to that list is the high line that they were playing for most of the game, playing the offside trap. I don't, to be fair, I don't know if you can really do that with Harry Suter in our defensive line if you can play such a high line, but it just speaks to the difference in mentality overall that Saudi Arabia went out and tried to generate a result. They tried to go and get the win, and they did indeed go and get it. We tried to sit back and try to cling on, but it's just a completely different approach, and we came unstuck. All we did. All we try to do is absorb pressure. For what reason? Why? Why not just go and play football? And play, you, you've got you've got to try and, like you've said, you've got to try and create the mistake, create the the opportunities. We didn't do that. We, did, we didn't do that. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, disappointing. Very, very, very disheartening, actually. Because I didn't see the boxing kangaroos, even if we're using that analogy, I didn't see the boxing kangaroo uh, attitude come through. No, I didn't see one in the stands either, the uh, the inflatable that you've seen at previous <laughs> Thank goodness. tournaments. Thank goodness. <laughs> but look, in all, all, all jokes aside, where was the where were the changes the, to to the structure of the team or to the personnel that actually just to try and bolster the team? Because I thought if we keep playing with these uh, with these wingers, they were going to have to do a lot. Of, you could see that uh, Lecky was going to have to double team Mbappe, right? That could only go on for so long. Yeah, I think. At halftime, I was already, um, in my mind, if I was the manager, I would have taken out Atkinson because he was getting rinsed the entire half by Mbappe. Let's bring on, probably not Degenek that eventually did come on for Atkinson. I probably would have gone with Deng, maybe Karacic. I would have uh, taken off Riley McGree at halftime as well. He didn't have a good half. He looked a little bit nervous, overawed by the stage. You saw that even early doors. As soon as he got on the ball, he was looking to get rid of it, not take another touch, try and do something else with it rather than just pan it off to one side. I probably would have brought on Cam Devlin and allowed the fullbacks to maybe get up a little bit more in possession because the way that the midfield was set up for mine with with Moy, Irvine and McGree, it was a bit more a 1-2 rather than a 2-1 in midfield. And that means that the fullbacks can't push up as high. They can't. They have to sit deeper. And you're starting from a low base when you do manage to win the ball. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. It, 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 it just wasn't... We weren't fluent at all. Our ball distribution was wasn't great even when we were trying to play out from the back i mean that sec that second goal was just calamitous i saw in the halftime coverage on sbs that bozzer was uh laying the blame at matt ryan for playing the ball out in that instance trying to play out from the back but for most of it surely has to go to nathaniel atkinson for that touch it's not a difficult pass to control from jackson irvine and he just made a complete hash of it i think you can go both ways ryan should have you know ryan could have gone long at that point chose not to so yes it's, it could be a bit of a hospital pass but that first touch from Atkinson yeah not good not good and I think it could cost him I don't think he'll um, feature uh, in the game against Tunisia on Saturday I would be surprised if he takes the field again yeah I feel for it I feel for it it's not good but when you get shown up on the world stage like that it's you know and now we do have to win on Saturday Australia must win on Saturday to be any chance should we go through the other games before we get too depressed. <laughs> uh, uh, let's talk about the other game in Group D. On at midnight uh, in the day just played, Denmark against Tunisia. And 
a surprising result, a nil-nil, and seemingly it was going to be attack against defence for the most part, Denmark trying to break down Tunisia, but they offered plenty in that game themselves as Tunisians and somewhat unlucky not to come away with a win. Yeah, I think that Tunisia had the upper hand in this game. They were, they were really good, and that's scary for Saturday, I have to say. Um, I thought the Danes would be more in control of the game. They weren't. They weren't. Tunisia created the more opportunities, um, you know, and, and, you know, they couldn't take the win, unfortunately, which, you know, look, Saturday's a different day, right? Tomorrow's a different day. So let's hope that the Socceroos can regroup from their loss this morning and, and be able to um, put a, a, you know, make a good account of themselves on Saturday. They're going to need to because the Tunisians were very sharp, um, just a bit wasteful in front of goal, unfortunately. Not as clinical as what they should have been. Yeah, that's the theme for this game, I think, with the Denmark against Tunisia, that Denmark was missing a clinical striker up front. Scott Olsen didn't have the best of games, neither did Dolberg or Cornelius. Yeah, and we've mentioned, and we've queried before, in particular you have as well, um, where do Denmark's goals come from? I mean, it, it just doesn't seem like, you know, watching that game, it didn't look like they were going to score at all. And... Yeah, just Tunisia were really sharp. So it was take heed, take heed, Australia, and um, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. What did you make of Denmark though, um, going further into this tournament? I, you know, I'm starting to reconsider my my um, my position here. Like France are favourites for the group. They certainly are now, and I was expecting Denmark to win this game against Tunisia, and but I'm not willing to put too much stock into the match day one games because the smaller teams. With all due respect, the teams like Tunisia, they are, and Saudi Arabia to the point as well this morning, they are massively up for the first game. They're really high, really ready to go at it. And as you go through the second and third match day, the overall quality of the team starts to shine through. I think Denmark are going to be fine. I still think they will win the group. I still think they can beat France. But in this instance, I think Tunisia, the spirit that they showed, the passion that they showed on the pitch was enough for them to put in a really good performance against Denmark to the, to the point that you say they did generate more of the opportunities and perhaps uh, could have scored one if they had a little bit more quality up front. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. Let's see what happens with uh, uh, the um, coming match day two for Group D moving forward. So should we move on to Mexico-Poland? Let's do it. Mexico-Poland. Another goalless draw. I was up for this one watching and thinking that given the result of the nine o'clock game that we'll definitely come on to that the winner of this game had was presented with a massive opportunity if there was to be one that to be potentially top of the group Argentina suffering that heavy defeat well not a heavy defeat but Argentina suffering that blow to their confidence and their their credentials coming into this tournament the opportunity was there for Poland and Mexico to take charge and but really get one foot into the next round so when the Poles were awarded the penalty by Chris Beath, Australian official. Surely that was a chance for Robert Lewandowski, never having scored a World Cup goal previously, and still he is yet to score a World Cup goal because it was saved by Ochoa. That man, Ochoa. Great save. Great save. I had the feeling that uh, Lewandowski was going to miss that, like that Ochoa would save that penalty for some reason, and he did. Yeah, great save. And and look, Mexico, I think to be fair, Mexico probably just had the... um, the greater number of chances. Not that there were that many chances in this game. It was a pretty um, tense um, stalemate, but it was um, it, it made for some good viewing. There was a bit of you know there was there were some um, ebb and flow to the game and some dramatic moments. There was. And what do you make 
of these two teams going forward because, yes, Mexico had more of the ball, perhaps more of the chances, but Poland, they looked pretty solid defensively. And for mine, that holds them in good stead against Argentina, that they were able to hold out a Mexican side who, yes, I've tipped them to finish bottom of the group, but they still got so many tricky fast players and able to beat a man the likes of Chucky Lozano, who had an all right game this morning, not his best, but still flashes of why he is the danger man for Mexico. Oh, this group is so wide open now, given the result, the upset that that occurred. Mexico and Poland are alive. It, you know, would have been advantageous, obviously, stating the obvious here, that had one of them gone away with the win. But, yeah, this group is just so wide open. I mean, even, you know, the Saudis are on top. They're leading the group at the end of match day one. Um, Argentina's at the bottom. So, uh, you know, let's see what match day two brings because that will be, um, you know, that'll, that'll be very interesting, with, especially with Argentina going up against Mexico. Yes, that is going to be a bloodbath of a game. Very much looking forward to seeing that one. Let's talk a little bit more about the big result, the big news story of the day, which is Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Perhaps one of the greatest upsets in World Cup history. Argentina were a dollar and seven cent favorite coming into this game. And they may have been perhaps unlucky not to be two, three goals up at half time. Some close offside calls, but Saudi Arabia on the balance of things, I felt, were well and truly deserving of the three points based on how well they defended, the spirit they took to the field with, and particularly the f- the third quarter of the game, the first half of the second half, they played f- fantastic football, and a lot of the time they were playing through Argentina. But you could see that that was happening during the first half as well, to be fair. Just the Argentinians were definitely on top, dominant in midfield. Um, they were able to play... They were able to play their football. They were able to distribute the ball in amongst themselves. Once half time came, and unfortunately, yeah, Argentina should have you know, had an opportunity to kill off the game, right? And that would, have, and we would have been talking differently now. But straight after half time, they dropped. They dropped. They they looked like they were like, "Yep, we've got this in the bag. It's only a matter of time." Well, the World Cup found you know has found you out here, and. You could tell just before kickoff something special was going to happen in this game. Not, I wasn't expecting the Saudis to win, but it was like a Saudi Arabia home game. The, the atmosphere and noise coming through the television was incredible. And the football, to be fair, was pretty good. And it was end-to-end, dramatic, you know. And, and that was because of the way the Saudis approached the game. And good luck to them, credit to them. That Straight after halftime, to score those two goals, and they were quality goals in that eight-minute period, and hold on, and not only hold on, but also basically just nullify anything that Argentina were doing. Argentina didn't do themselves any favours, in particular in midfield. It just looked like forwards and defenders so many times. And the numbers, and that just suited Saudi Arabia so much because they just got their numbers back, and that was it. There was no movement off the ball enough by the Argentinians to actually try and create opportunity to, you know, they would just go wide the whole time to try and get in behind that way. When they could have just, you know, um, shifted the ball side to side and actually just be really patient and and the opportunity would come. They just went for desperation straight away and that just fell into Saudi Arabia's hands. They're a fit team, the Saudis, geez, they looked really fit. All of them have got, you know, motors on them. And I don't know, though, if they can just get up for the next game. I don't know how much that took out of them. But well done to Saudi Arabia, Herve Renard as well brilliant coaching and um 
what else can we say about that? It was just a, a historic World Cup performance. Now, not not all is lost for Argentina, but they're going to have to do better and play better and actually be a bit more um, mindful of what it is that they're actually doing because they're good enough to win this tournament. There's no doubt about that. You don't win 36 on the bounce and not um, you know not play good football. So, but you know they um, they lost their way in that second half after the uh, second goal went in. They certainly did, and I think the things that you mentioned there about this team performance from Argentina, it shows how much they missed Giovanni Lo in the midfield, a guy who's able to get his foot on the ball and take the ball forward a little bit more and pick a, pick the right pass because so many times in that midfield, they did look lost, as you say. At times, there was no midfield. Yeah, exactly. At times, there was no midfield. And it was just get the ball up the pitch as fast as they can. Defenders just launch it up. Find Di Maria, find Messi, however you can. That didn't work at all. There was no opportunity for them to really create that many 1v1 opportunities. Di Maria was forced to whip balls in from the from the sideline nearly, and that's not his game. That's not his game. He needs to, he needs to get into the box. He needs to take someone on. He wasn't able to do that because there was no midfield presence to draw defenders away, give them something else to think about. It was just single-mind focus from a lot of the defense because there was only one threat there. That's right. That's right. And look, the desperation that the Saudis showed in their defense was... Incredible. It was just an incredible team performance all around. Incredible team performance all around. Really was. And looking forward for Group C, now that the Mexico-Poland game did go down as a draw, that probably suits both these teams, Saudi Arabia and Argentina, because moving forward, Saudi Arabia can just play for draws, and if they manage to get them five points, they're through to the knockouts. And Argentina, it does give them the opportunity to go and get six points out of this group. So... Funnily enough, Mexico-Poland, that draw, they were both happy to take the point towards the end of the game, but it may actually harm them for the rest of the group. It was critical for them to take the win today, but uh, they didn't step up and do it. So who was your highlight of the day? Who was your highlight player, or what was your highlight of the day? Well, as much as it really probably should be Olivier Giroud for matching Terry Henry's record, I, th- I think you have to put it down to uh, Salem Adolsary for the winner for Saudi Arabia. A peach of a finish. Curler, out of, just out of reach of Emi Martinez. Got a fingertip to it, but not enough. And that has generated, for mine, the first actual good football story from this tournament. It's taken four matches now, five matches now, for this World Cup to finally arrive as a proper football tournament. Day one, day two, yes, some excitement about teams starting off, but the football wasn't too exciting. There wasn't that wow factor between the four games that we had seen this early kickoff. Saudi Arabia against Argentina, that was the arrival of this World Cup. Agreed, agreed. Totally agree with you there. So moving forward to tonight's matches, we have four games once again, as it will be every day up until Saturday the 3rd of December for the rest of the group phase. And tonight, the 9 o'clock kickoff is Morocco against Croatia. A massive game kicking off Group E. And really, we said in our preview that this was the match that might upset the apple cart, define this group. Can Morocco do something? Can they follow in the footsteps of some of the other teams that are not really as fancied to do something at this World Cup? Can they go and cause an upset, Lazarus, this Moroccan side, up against Croatia, a team that you've backed heavily to make a deep run in this tournament? Can they do something? Based on what we saw from the last match day, anything can happen, right? So, look, Morocco can create an upset. I still fancy Croatia. I think Croatia will win 2-1. How about you? I've got this one down as a draw. 
in my book. So hopefully not a nil-nil. Hopefully we do see some uh, some goal action. I think on the preview I said a two-all. I might stick with it. So midnight Sydney time, we've got uh, Germany versus Japan kicking off in Group E. Tasty game. Tasty game because yeah, it's a good stylistic matchup. Germany with what is now turned into quite a young squad with the likes of Musiala, who was already in there, but also Makoko, who's come in for the injured Timo Werner. This could be one of the games of the tournament, or one of the games of the group phase, just how the game might play out. I think this will be end-to-end stuff. Looking forward to watching it. I think Germany might just edge it. I think they just got that little bit of extra quality to get them over the line. I think I might go for a 2-1. Same here. I think uh, Germany will just edge it, but let's hope Japan can get up and and do the upset. So at 3 a.m., then we move to Spain and Costa Rica. What are your thoughts? Surely this is a, a comfortable win for Spain. Costa Rica, I don't see too much in here for them. Yes, based on what we've seen so far, anything can happen, as you say. I Surely, though, surely though, the Spanish will be able to get over the line here in a, a fairly routine win. Going to go for, for 3-0. Agree with you there. I think it might be 2-0, but yep, Spanish win for sure. And at 6am, we've got Belgium and Canada to round out Group F match day one. What are your thoughts on this one? I think the Belgians will just edge it. Although it'll be very interesting, uh, it will be very interesting rather to see how the Canadians uh, perform uh, on this stage. I think the Belgians will win two one. It's a big ask for them to make that step up. I think they'll fall short for mine. I think Belgium will come away with a two 0 win. Romelu Lukaku, I believe, won't be fit to feature in this game, so they are going to have to bring in a backup striker. It might be uh, Shelter Catala. See who uh, Roberto Martinez goes with up front. But there's so much quality in the forward areas anyway for Belgium at the moment. So they should have enough to account for Canada in my books. I'll go for a 2-0 win. Yeah, no, yeah, I can see that happening for sure. All right, so that's the end of our match day one for groups D and C. And tomorrow, we'll, or later on tonight, Sydney time, 9pm, we'll kick off group F. And by the end of tomorrow, we'll have the end of match day one for group E and F. This group phase is moving so fast, Lazarus. They've Normally, it's three games a day. They're trying to get this tournament over and done with as fast as they can, it seems like. Four games a day is a lot of football to keep track of. So stay tuned to the Back Pegs Daily Doha Series. We'll keep you informed of all the big stories coming out of each day of action here at the World Cup. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Lazarus, for joining me. I've been Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gromos. And thanks, Nathan. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And take care, all.